Good day to you, brothers, sisters, friends, and new faces, and welcome to Current Events and Christian Expectations. And today in this podcast, we will discuss meritocracy versus mediocrity. Today, we'll lead off with the book of Hosea, chapter 7, verses 8 and 9. We will have several other scriptures that we'll reference and read today, and we'll put those in the overview. So, with the mediocrity and the meritocracy, yes, so hard to say, yeah. tongue twister, let's just dig right in. Right. Thank you, Randy. On that day, shall we hear, well done, or shall we hear, half-baked? What am I talking about? Listen to this passage as Randy announced it from Hosea 7. Ephraim mixes himself with the peoples. Ephraim is a cake not turned. Strangers devour his strength, and he knows it not. Gray hairs are sprinkled upon him, and he knows it not. He's in bad shape. And notice, he's not turned. Mm. First usage, I think, in history of the idea of being half-baked. In fact, (laughs) Eugene Peterson in the message, that's how he renders that phrase, half-baked. Mediocre, in other words, mediocrity. What does the word mediocre actually mean? It goes well back to the Latin and literally means halfway up a mountain. Hmm. And since it comes across as mediocre, it means he who started didn't finish. Hmm. He wasn't ready. He did a lousy job of it. We are reminded of this teaching of the mediocre from Jesus. Listen to this from Luke 14, 25 through 30. Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Right. A halfway tower. Half-baked tower. Half-baked. Halfway up a mountain. Absolutely. Note how this illustrates the nature of our discipleship. It is all or nothing. If not all, nothing left but mediocrity. A mediocre disciple who doesn't make the cut. Listen to Jesus' words. Again, you'll appreciate the idea of half-baked. Here in Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, The words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. Your works are not complete. You're mediocre. You're half-baked. And the call for this church to repent. But, 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 people will be saying, the world's falling apart, culture's corrupt, there's stuff to do. Really, do we have to spend all this time on trying to be excellent and, and making it complete? Remember the guiding light of these podcasts. We find them in 1 John 2.17. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. world's passing away, but we should be building the complete tower, baking the whole cake, having our works complete. 
The call for excellence knows no exceptions. Doesn't matter what the culture is doing. And we need, in this culture, a most excellent witness, mm -hmm. which is what Jesus wants from those seven churches because five of them, one way or the other, are half-baked. Mm -hmm. Sad situation. Here's uh, a quote from <laughs> the late, great Tucker Carlson. He got fired from Fox News. <laughs> or maybe not. We don't know. That thing's up in the air. But uh, anyway, listen to this. He's... Um, referencing the last election and the uh, big expectation of Republicans to sweep uh, everybody into office. It never happened. Listen to this. Quote, well, before we give you our theories as to what happened, one obvious point, the people whose job it was to win but did not win should do something else now. We are speaking specifically of the Republican leadership of the House and the Senate and of the RNC. It is nothing personal. Some of them are no doubt nice people, but they took hundreds of millions of dollars to paint the map red, and they didn't. Mm. Doesn't mean they're evil. Does not mean they should go to jail. It does mean they should not be promoted. No one should ever be rewarded for failure. Then this, and this is a, something to nail on the wall. If there is a truly conservative principle in life, it is the principle of meritocracy. You reward excellence. You do not reward mediocrity. End of quote. Excellent. Uh, by the way, we're not talking about obtaining perfection, sinless or otherwise. Listen to the wisdom of Vince Lombardi. I'm hoping people out there realize who I'm referencing. I know that was a generation or two ago. The Book of Football. The Book of Football. He wrote. <laughs> yeah. 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 Here's a quote from Vince Lombardi. Normally considered the greatest football coach ever. Perfection is not attainable. But if we chase perfection, we can catch excellence. Mm -hmm. I like that. End of quote. Let's look at the complex pattern of truth throughout Scripture to get a good overview of how merit is rewarded, but mediocre work is not. First, however, let's keep in mind the exhortation of one of my favorite people from the Old Testament, the teacher, known in Ecclesiastes sometimes as the preacher. Listen to Ecclesiastes 9.10. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might, for there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol to which you are going. Clearly, in, old, in the Old Testament, you only go around once in life. Make you the better make, the, make yeah. the best of it. Yeah. Make the best of it. Oddly enough, Jesus says something in the same vein, Gospel of John 9, verse 4. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. Yeah, we need to put our whole self into it. The biblical approach toward meritocracy begins with Cain and Abel. Listen to the story again, this time from the viewpoint of meritocracy and mediocrity. Genesis 4, 1 through 7. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. 
The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Yes, Abel's gift was not accepted because it was the lamb of sacrifice, but because it was the firstborn, very important in the Bible. And he brought the best, the fat portions. You run that through the Bible, that's mm -hmm. always the, the best. Huh? Uh, mean, uh, meat that is so lean, like buffalo, I can't stand it. I like chuck roast with that's right, that's right. With, with yeah. fat. Yeah. And the fat portions. Clearly, Cain did not bring the best of what he had. And so his offering was rejected. Yes, it was a grain offering, but keep in mind, in the Mosaic Code, grain offerings were just as important as the animal offering. Listen to this from Numbers 18, 8, 9, and verse 12. Then the Lord spoke to Aaron, Behold, I have given you charge of the contributions made to me, all the consecrated things of the people of Israel. I have given them to you as a portion and to your sons as a perpetual due. This shall be yours of the most holy things, reserved from the fire. Every offering of theirs, every grain offering of theirs, and every sin offering of theirs, and every guilt offering of theirs, which they render to me, shall be most holy to you and your sons. All the best of the oil and all the best of the wine and of the grain, the first fruits of what they give to the Lord, I give to you. The best, the best. Abel brought the firstborn. Uh, apparently, um, <laughs> Came, uh, brought a bunch of t uh, bananas that were way past ripe and yeah. apples with holes in them and, and whatever else. The difference then between faith and just going through the motions, big difference. Listen to Hebrews 11.4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Right. Uh, faith in action, approved by God. Uh, just look at it this way. Would he have had this commendation from God if Abel had brought a scrawny, crippled, moth-eaten, flea-bitten, yeah. one-eyeball-hanging-out lamb for, for the offering? Of course not. So he, he gave his best. Abel did well. Cain, not so much. What did God say to Cain? Cain, if you do well, or some translations say, if you do what is right, do what is pleasing, will you not do well? Excellence, in other words, is rewarded. And so we have the first problem the world has with rewarding merit. It isn't fair. And so Cain was angry and killed Abel. The quest for excellence begins in the mind, as we will see in just a moment. And apparently uh, Cain's mind wasn't up to it. Listen to what Paul says about excellence starting in the mind here in Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Right, true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable. If there is any excellence... Maybe Paul had Cain and Abel in mind when he wrote that. Genesis shows us how excellence being rewarded varies according to the providence of the Lord. This is part of the complexities of uh, meritocracy. We are told that Enoch walked with God, and the Lord was so pleased that he took him, and he was not, 
Genesis 5, 21 through 24. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Why was he rewarded when everyone else in this chapter dies? Listen to Hebrews 11, 5. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. He was commended. Enoch was most excellent, pleased God. In fact, believing that God rewards people is an essential ingredient in our faith and our quest for excellence. Listen to Hebrews eleven six. And without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Rewards those who seek him. In Genesis, there's another who is said to have walked with God. Listen to this, Genesis 6, 5 through 9. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Right. Yet God does not take Noah, who walks with him. Rather, he leaves him on earth to endure the flood and start humanity again. Listen to Hebrews eleven seven now. By faith, Noah, being warned by God, coming concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Right. The first seafaring vessel ever built, and as people like to point out, by an amateur, <laughs> since yeah. he was the first, uh, and it was built just to float. But apparently it was excellent for just that. God determines the reward, and excellence begins by walking with God. The Lord also grants gifts to us that we may bless others. Listen to this, Exodus 31, 1 through 6. The Lord said to Moses, See, I have called by name Baaziel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God and the ability and intelligence with knowledge and all craftsmanship to devise artistic designs to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stones for setting, and in carving wood to work in every craft. And behold, I have appointed with him Aholiab, the son of Ahizamach, of the tribe of Dan, and I have given to all able men ability that they may make all that I have commanded you. All right, Randy. Most excellent pronunciation. That, thanks. That, that took a few takes. I don't know. We had to, we had to back up. Had to back times. up and redo a couple times. There. Yeah. Uh, Old Testament names can really be issues sometimes. Well, God grants abilities to excel in metallurgy, artistry, woodworking, etc., as the rest of the chapter points out. If we are granted gifts of excelling in certain endeavors, we need to thank God for that and do it. Mm. We don't want to be Alf. Remember Alf on television back uh, in the 80s? I, lo right. I love the quotes of Alf. I did a, a thing on that once years ago teaching a church lesson. But Alf once said, 
here's, here's the key to life. Find out what you're really bad at. You're really bad at it. And then don't do it. <laughs> Some people never learned that lesson. Well, note the wisdom, and this is great, of Pearl S. Buck on this matter. Uh, she wrote the book, The Good Earth. The movie was made from it. Very well known back in her day. Here's the quote. The secret of joy in work is contained in one word, excellence. To know how to do something well is to enjoy it. Mm. Uh, that's a great quote. Um, and when you can do something well and you see somebody butcher it, it upsets you. My yeah. father was a great carpenter. From scratch, he just bought a book, built houses. Uh, and along with his brother-in-law, built the house I lived in, a uh, house uncle lived in, a house my sister finally lived in, uh, a house they built just for fun and profit because they were getting good at it. But we were having a discussion one day about things in life. He says, you know what bothers me? I said, what, what's, what's that, Dad? He says, watching someone trying to build a box and they just don't have a clue. And he says, I just want to say, step aside yeah. <laughs> and let me do it. And Dad was great at that. I mean, we still have his magazine racks and jewelry mm -hmm. boxes and all those things. One reason to aspire for excellence is so that we will not abuse the gift. Think of Samson's excellent gift of strength and where he ends up, bald and blind. Mm -hmm. Think of Solomon's gift of wisdom and where he ends up, concubine, compromised, worshiping idols. Mm -hmm. Jesus makes this very point in the following parable. This is Matthew 25, 14 through 30. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did no seed. So I was afraid, and I went, and I hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown, and gather where I scattered no seed? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him, and give it to the one who has ten talents." For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness, in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Well done. Not half-baked. Well done. 
and it was not a competition. Listen carefully. We are to do the best we can with what we've got. The man with five did the best he could. I mean, double it. The fellow with two did the best he could. However, to do nothing but hold on to the gift is not excelling. As Jesus points out, he could have banked it for interest. He didn't even do that. Therefore, laziness is the fount of mediocrity. Mm. Hear Proverbs 18.9. Whoever is slack in his work is a brother to him who destroys. Whoever is slack in his work. A slacker mm-hmm. is a brother with the one who destroys, who goes out and, like we've seen recently, last couple of years. <laughs> so, as the gifts are given to us, they actually just come in two categories. I like how Peter just sums this up in two categories. Listen to what Peter says, 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Right. If our gift involves speaking, which would be like teaching, preaching, counseling, maybe just you've got a gift for listening to people and responding with some kind of wisdom, all those things. The excellence is found in doing this like one delivering the oracles of God. The most excellent of words found anywhere in the Bible, right? Certainly the Bible has excellent words from Genesis through Revelation. And so that's how we need to speak, you know, when we're trying to have that gift of whatever it is of speaking, teaching, preaching, uh, communicating, bearing a good witness. There's nothing mediocre in knowing that when we do that, we must have a consciousness that we're carrying the words of God, and they're excellent. If we have gifts of serving, action gifts, like uh, hospitality, providing for the needs of others, whether you're a plumber or a doctor or car repair or whatever it is, we're to do it with the strength God supplies. Mm. Ecclesiastes 9.10, one we used earlier. And God's strength is most excellent. It's not mediocre. So, we need to take what Peter says to heart. Here's a good example. Corinth is one of the churches in the New Testament, and as far as I can tell, it's the only church that has so many gifts, they excel all other gifts. In fact, when Paul starts this letter off in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he makes that very point. You are abounding, exceeding in gifts. But as the letter goes on, they've abused the gifts. Now, that leads Paul to explain how they truly need to have excellence. Listen to 1 Corinthians 12, 31. But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. Right, a more excellent way. Wow. Following the excellent way, obviously, will lead to excellence. So then, as he starts the next chapter, Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to move mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. So love must undergird all of our gifts. It's the most excellent way, especially when desiring the best of gifts. Listen to this from the very next chapter again, 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 5. 
Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that the church may be built up. So to prophesy is to speak a word that God has given you, whether you're a man, woman. It's not about just being a preacher, teacher, just none of those things. It's when someone in the congregation, God has laid on their heart a word that must be spoken, and they speak it in the congregation or in private or however it's done. It's about building up the church of Jesus in truth. And we're going to pursue this line of thought in just a few minutes. But first, noting the complexity of excellence, how it varies. Sometimes doing just what we can is rewarding enough. Listen to Mark 14, 3 through 8. And while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at the table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly, and she broke the flask and poured it over his head. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, Why was the ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they scolded her. But Jesus said, Leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, and whenever you want you can do good for them. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. She's done what she could. Sounds like she wanted to do more, but she just used what she had at hand, and she poured the perfume on him, <clears throat> an act that is, as Jesus notes, is usually performed in the burial of the dead. Jesus says it was beautiful. That's the ESV. Christian Standard Bible says it was noble. And that same Greek word, it's translated beautiful or noble, can be translated by the word excellent, honorable, all those. In other words, she is doing something excellent. Now, what's the disciples' excellence? Well, they're good at rebuking, <laughs> apparently. What was her attitude? Only the best for Jesus. On the other hand, we have the Syrophoenician woman whose little daughter was demonized, and all she sought was crumbs, and was rewarded for her excellent observation about the dogs. Hmm. Matthew 15 21 through 28. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Right. Excellence in repartee gets rewarded. She saw it. She spoke. She was rewarded. Excellence is always rewarded, even those things we might think are minor, very important. 
Listen to Matthew 10, 41 through 42. The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person because he is righteous will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Right. Someone giving a disciple a cup of cold water, we're going to get into that in just a little bit as well, will not lose his or her reward. That's I mean, that's astounding. I, lo I love that. And you say, well, what's, what's so great about a cup of cold water? We're going to get to that. Our pursuit of excellence should also spur us on in our service to God if we know we've been given a life to glorify Him and bless others. Knowing we've been given life, an opportunity another has not had, is a call to excellence. If you've seen the uh, movie, which is terrific, Saving Private Ryan, you know the, uh, the movie starts off in the graveyard, and you wonder what's going on. Then you have the whole movie, and of course they're trying to save this young fellow Ryan because the rest of his family, his brother's been killed, and get him back home. And Captain Miller gets shot, and he's dying, and he tells uh, Ryan, earn it, earn it, meaning this opportunity, you, your life is given to you, earn mm -hmm. it. Then you go back the last uh, scene, to the graveyard again uh, with these last words of uh, Captain Miller ringing in his ears. You're back in the graveyard, and he's there where Captain Miller is buried, and he turns to his wife, and he says, tell me I've been a good man, because he realized, having been given life, he should be excellent. He should have lived a good life. This is a great illustration of seeing the need to fulfill a grace given us by God. Listen to how Paul explains this as he experiences uh, the meeting of the resurrected Christ and how it changed his life. 1 Corinthians 15, 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Uh, is this pride or boasting? No, he's telling the truth. He did that. And as to his working and as to the grace of God, both are true. To do the best we can to prove our thankfulness to God is the excellence we must all pursue. But we have God to help us. Listen to 2 Thessalonians 1, verses 11 and 12. To this end, we always pray for you, that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, to be worthy of the kingdom. May God help you mm -hmm. to bring to a completion, I'll be halfway, to mm -hmm. every resolve that we want to do. Good stuff. I believe one of the reasons Top Gun Maverick did so well, besides not being woke, is the emphasis throughout the film on the need to excel. The phrase, the best of the best shows up several times, and uh, I think maybe some people in our military <laughs> need to go see that film <laughs> and uh, look at their priorities. This is done not to brag, the best of the best, but to be able to wonderfully complete the mission. God has given us a mission, short-term, long-term, day-by-day, however, and the goal is to hear on that day, well done, good and faithful servant. So, as the Lord churches, we need to excel. How? Listen to this. Paul writes a letter to the church of Philippi and outlines basically in chapter 1 
what he is praying for for this church. It may surprise you. Philippians 1, 8 through 11. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Approve what is excellent. How do we get there as a church? Our love must abound more and more. Paul prays for that, just as he did work with Corinth. A love that's not sentimental and gushy, but one that grows in knowledge and all discernment. Love without knowledge is blind love, something not recommended. Love rooted in the knowledge of God in Christ and in the Scripture that leads us to discernment as to how to give, show, and apply that love most excellently. And this will lead us to approving what is excellent. And, and we Christians really need to work on that. I know over the uh, years, we, on Wednesdays, we would do um, videos or some kind of movie and, and run a scripture lesson afterwards on it and have conversation about the scriptural aspects of the movie, whether it was purposely Christian or not. Some of them were purposely Christian, but I couldn't show a lot of them because they were put together in such a shoddy way. The, the production values mm. are just, no. And you're going to make a movie, you got to have people who can read a script, do the acting, and have some values that make people want to watch the film. Uh, nothing short of this will do. Listen to how Apollos is shown love so that he may pursue excellence. Acts 18, 24 through 28. Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had been believed, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. Right. He was doing things accurately, but he only knew so much. He was got no further than the doctrine of, of John and his baptism. So uh, Aquila and Priscilla, or actually it says Priscilla and Aquila, took him aside to show him the way of God more accurately so he could reach that point of excellence. And he did, because now he can really help the Christians mm -hmm. and refute the people who don't believe in the gospel. So what is a mediocre love? Here we go, Revelation 3, 14 through 16. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, The words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works, you are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Right. Cold or hot. Or I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. A cold drink on a hot day is excellent. When I used to work as a young man on the railroad, working my way through college, uh, being a tandy dancer on the C&O, driving spikes uh, into the ties and all that. What's a tandy dancer? A person who takes the uh, hammer for spikes and drives a spike through the plate into the tie. Okay. Yeah, and there was a bunch of us young guys who were all working our way through college. 
and uh, CNO was a great place to work. And of course, Dad worked there, my grandfather, so it wasn't hard for me to get hired, quite honestly. Um, but the, the great, some of the greatest enjoyment of excellent thing to drink was when we would take a break from that hot sun in July. Union rules, you can only work so long. I think it was 15 minutes when it's 90 above or whatever. And we had a bucket of ice that our foreman got for us, who was a good guy, by the way, and all the water in it. And that, I just can't tell you how great that tasted. Cold drink on a hot day, nothing like it. And a hot drink on a cold day, mm-hmm. whether it's coffee or hot chocolate. But a lukewarm drink, yesterday's coffee left on the desk. Ugh. Uh, the ESV says the word is spit. Jesus is going to say, I'm going to spit you out. Actually, the word in the Greek is vomit, and the new English translation, who has copious notes on all the words they use, make a very good case for it's got to be the literally the word vomit. That's what he's saying. You make me sick. Well, think of it. You're looking for something nice and cold, and someone gives you something that's been sitting around for a couple of days. Wow. Mm-hmm. One of the ways we know we are moving toward excellence is this experience. This is a quote from Thomas Monson. Listen to this. This is good. Once you've experienced excellence, you will never again be content with mediocrity. We need that. And there are, of course, different kinds of uh, excellence, as we have seen, from a cup of cold water to Paul's great exclamation at the last letter he writes that we know about. I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award. It's excellence to me on that day. Not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Three indispensables of Christian life. Not just for Paul. Fight the good fight of faith. Finish the race. Don't be a half racer. Finish the race. Keep the faith. Don't keep it for a while and throw it away. It's excellence. And notice how righteousness is inseparable from excellence. If we love the truth of Jesus having appeared among us, as Paul says, the Lord who became flesh and dwelt among us, then may the pursuit of excellence be our attitude as we keep on seeking the God who rewards those who so seek. Just to begin that quest is, in fact, an excellent thing to do. God's grace is available to do just that, and that's the Christian expectation. Well, thanks, Jim. And this is a special day for our podcast. There is a theme song playing as we close. It's not our normal theme song. But embedded in this theme song is a hint about the special podcast today. And for those of you loyal listeners who can take that hint and determine what's so special about today's podcast, the first listener to leave a comment on this particular podcast post on any of our channels will win a special prize. 